It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's jump into it with both feet. Today, it is the Locked on Thunder podcast for the last day of May, the 31st. I am your gracious and humble host, Eric G. want to thank you so much for making me a part of your day as we get ready for game one of the NBA Finals tonight. Yeah, even though the Golden State Warriors are in, it's at least some basketball. Although, I will say it was nice to have a couple of days off and just catch up on what the Yankees were doing. But but that's me. I don't know if you were catching up on your baseball team or what you spent the last couple of days doing. Maybe you were watching the NHL, but it's time to get back around the TV and watch LeBron James take on the Golden State Warriors. And we will talk about that matchup coming up in game number one. And of course, we will tie it into Oklahoma City, which means we unfortunately have to talk about Kevin Durant. But until that wound is completely healed... I think we will always be discussing that here in Oklahoma City. And I don't know when that wound is healed, so we'll talk more about that as as we jump in to segment number one. In segment number two, we will go all about Russ and what watching the finals not only last year, but this year means to him. Or I guess you could reverse it. We know Russ is motivated, but motivated for exactly what? I may have figured it out, and it does not go along with the national narrative, So I'll explain that in segment number two. And in segment number three, we will hear from the good folks at Locked on Magic. They have a new coach and they're going to tell us all about him. Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a man of, well, questionable taste and certainly not wealth because I spent my entire life doing radio. But my name is Eric G. I was a radio host here in Oklahoma City for a while, and I did a lot of Thunder pre-games and post-games, mainly post-games. I'm a credentialed member of the media. Um, The Thunder have been kind enough to allow me to cover the team for the last five seasons, and I also contribute to another publication called Thunder Digest. I say contribute in the loosest of terms because I've not done a podcast for them in a couple of months. So Chuck, thanks for keeping me on the Thunder Digest payroll. I don't know, maybe Chuck's not listening. Maybe Chuck doesn't know that I've gotten away with doing nothing for them the last couple of months. Why? Because I've been completely devoted to Locked on Thunder. And if you like what you hear, we've got all our podcasts archived at LockedOnThunder.com. And of course, there's video and audio from players and coaches, including a good number of the exit interviews that the Oklahoma City Thunder gave a few weeks ago. And, hey, that big one by Carmelo Anthony. If you haven't heard it, go listen to the Carmelo Anthony exit interview. Maybe the most insightful exit interview given in a long time in the NBA. Segment number one, we are talking about the NBA Finals, which gets underway tonight. And I disagree with a lot of people about what's being said about this NBA Finals. No, not necessarily the fact that Golden State will win or that they shouldn't be double-digit favorites, they should. And it's not the Cavs versus LeBron, or excuse me, it's it's not the Cavs versus the Warriors, it's LeBron versus the Warriors. Let, let's get it right. Ever since 
LeBron James came into the Eastern Conference, which has been his entire career in, what is it, 17, 18 years now. I, I can't even remember how long LeBron has played. It's always been him versus the world, and that's not changing anytime soon. But Kevin Durant and LeBron James say that they're not tired of this rivalry. Well, Kevin Durant's only played in it one time. This is only his second time to participate in that rivalry. And for LeBron James, the Cavs have been a thorn in his side, so of course he's not sick of seeing it. Now, as for the rest of America, yeah, I'm not 100% certain about that. I don't know what America thinks about this rivalry. My, my first inclination is to tell you that this is going to be a highly rated finals. It'll draw a lot of eyeballs to the set. And for the NBA, it was the best thing that could, that could have happened. Although Cavs, Rockets with Harden being a part of the Rockets would have been highly rated too. Plus, you had a big big television market in Houston. So, so that would have been, I think that would have been okay. Any other combination, you're probably not getting the ratings. And of course, during this time of year, the NBA wants that casual fan. Richard Jefferson, though. And Mike Greenberg. Okay, Mike Greenberg says it's the greatest rivalry. Now, Mike, I strongly disagree with that. It's the greatest rivalry. It's the greatest rivalry between Cleveland and Oakland. That's what it is. It's not, in my opinion, it's not even the best rivalry in the NBA. That is Golden State versus Oklahoma City because of the sheer raw emotion that goes along with it. And for as much as Kevin Durant always likes to say he's moved on, he certainly turns it up a notch or 10 when they when those two teams meet. And so does everybody else around Kevin Durant. Draymond Green, Steph Curry, they all love getting involved with this. Carmelo Anthony got swept up in it last year. So did Paul George. And because those two teams meet more often during the regular season, for me, it makes it a better rivalry. Plus, you've got the added drama with Katie and Russ, and that just cannot be found in Cavaliers-Warriors+. Plus. With Cavaliers-Warriors, and I don't know how many times I've said the word plus, but I'm going to say it again. Cavaliers-Warriors, there's been enough turnover on that Cavs roster that it just goes back to LeBron versus everyone else. And you could take LeBron and put him on any other team and you would still sort of have this the same result, the same result with the rivalry. And I hope I'm making some sense here on what I'm saying because I'm sort of rambling here, but that's what happens on the Locked on Thunder podcast. I also disagree with Richard Jefferson when he says that people weren't mad about Kevin Durant or weren't mad with Kevin Durant for leaving Oklahoma City. They were mad because essentially he made the NBA boring. Well, no, Richard, there's an entire state, an entire city here who's still mad at Kevin Durant for leaving Oklahoma City. And I'll admit, I'm a hypocrite. I'm a guy that likes to say that I don't carry... Grudges? Like, but if you follow my Twitter account, you already know I'm a hypocrite. I like to say that I don't carry grudges, but obviously I do. Or, or this KD thing wouldn't still just burn so many years later. Two years later, I would be completely over it. But I, yeah, that's not that's not happening. I'm a hypocrite. I want to get over it. I don't want to hold grudges. But unfortunately, I will continue to hold grudges. And maybe Brian Colangelo is holding some grudges as well with his whole situation and the five Twitter accounts that he has. Although he says that that he did not have five Twitter accounts and now he's saying that somebody is out to get him. Well, Brian, I see a much bigger picture here with you. A much bigger picture. And it is, if you, what what is the point 
of, of having these burner accounts. Kevin Durant got caught with them, and he was defending himself. Why would you have them if you honestly feel a certain way about any of your players or if any of the other presidents and GMs inside the NBA, then why don't you just say it? Why hide behind a social media account? Kevin Durant, if you didn't like playing for Billy Donovan, if you didn't like playing with Russell Westbrook, or you felt like you were hamstrung here in Oklahoma City, why use a burner account to say it? Just put it out there. Put your name on it. That's what I do every day. I have one Twitter account, and maybe I'm stupid. Maybe I'm the dumb one that doesn't understand it. Maybe I need five or six Twitter accounts just to, I don't know, promote Locked on Thunder and talk about how great it is or talk about how bad Locked on Thunder sucks and then you need to go listen to it because this guy is is such is such an idiot. I don't understand the social media game a lot. And I'll admit, I'm not the best at social media. But I thought one of the things that we got really sick of in sports was unnamed sources or athletes got tired of it or front office people got tired of it. In, in the White House, it's all about leaks now. Who's the leakers? Who's who's the Who are the people saying this? You know, and, and that's the big defense everybody gives is, well, if this is said, why isn't this person putting their name behind it? Well, I wonder that. If you're going to get mad at unnamed sources, why aren't you putting your name out there? Because everything I say, good, bad, indifferent, smart, dumb, whatever, it's all right here for you to hear, and it's all out there on Twitter. And yes, certainly there are things that, that have been said behind the scenes to my coworkers and or former coworkers and other people I've worked with that I would really not ever want to get out in the public, and I think we all have that. But at the same time, if I'm going to give an opinion on something or I'm going to be critical of somebody in my business, then I want my name attached to it because I want you to know that I said that. Whether you agree or disagree, it's it's important for me to have my name behind it. And it sort of goes back to yesterday's discussion when we were talking a little bit about Roseanne, which is this. You have to remember other people are depending on you. And, and it's just, it's one of the most chicken bleep moves to have burner Twitter accounts to either degrade somebody or to pump somebody up. Say say it like you mean it. And the whole idea is of trolls and social media. I guess I guess what I'm saying in a very long-winded way is the thing I don't like about social media, it's so easy for people to hide behind an alias. It just ultimately means that you do not have to take responsibility for your actions. And that is just not something that I'm ever in any way, shape, or form going to be cool with. This is the Locked on Thunder podcast. I am Eric G. Coming up in segment number two, we will talk about Russell Westbrook. And what his real motivation is. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner. And Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Thunder Podcast, and I am Eric G. I want to thank you for joining me today. Let's talk about Russell Westbrook and watching these NBA Finals and what kind of motivation that gives for him next year. Well, okay, I, everybody hopes that Paul George watching him 
realizes that the Thunder can compete and he'll go back to Oklahoma City. Okay, there, I've said that. I think I got that out, you know, obligatory statement out of the way. With Russell Westbrook, the common misconception in the national media is that Russ is a guy that strictly just wants individual numbers. That he wanted Kevin Durant and James Harden out of the way so he could be the face of the team, amass all these gaudy numbers, and then get himself a statue or be named MVP. Russell Westbrook isn't motivated by that. What Russell Westbrook is motivated by, and I'm not saying that he didn't want these guys out of the way. He may very well have wanted them out of the way. But what do we look at when we look at LeBron James, especially this season, we are all carrying that narrative of LeBron James got the Cleveland Cavaliers to the finals, that he did it with this subpar roster, and it thus proves that he's the greatest player, in not only in the NBA right now, but arguably the best player in the NBA ever, depending on how you feel about Michael Jordan. When it comes to Russell Westbrook, he wants the same thing. That's what he is motivated by. He wants to be the one that carries a team to the NBA championship. And you can just see that in the way the guy plays every night. You can see it in the way he approaches practice and warm up he's ultra motivated all that being said Russell also is somewhat having an epiphany of realizing that you're in the banana boat era era and people want to bond everybody's holding hands and they're skipping together and they, they want to be friends and in his exit interview Russell Westbrook talked about bonding with his other teammates uh, I mean, you know, we obviously had previous relationships be- before the season, but to get through a season and figure out, um, you know, real uh, you know, brotherhood is like, uh, those guys are, uh, you know, somebody I can always look up to, different things they, they brought to the game, not just on the court, but off the court. I think us bonding as, as brothers was the biggest thing for me. Um, that's always the most important thing for me It's making sure that, you know, basketball is a short stint of your life, uh, but friendships and, and, and different things like that go go longer than that. And uh, that was always the most important thing for me to make sure that we, we bonded and understood, you know, our upbringing, you know, where we come from, know a little bit about, you know, each one of us personally, and that was the most important thing. How big a role will you play in trying to get those guy, guys to return to Oklahoma City? Uh, I mean, my job is to, to, to make sure those guys are comfortable in doing the – uh, what's right for them and their families. Um, you know, it's not up to me to make a decision on, on, on what they do. Uh, my job is to make it um, uh, easy for them, whether, you know, they're here um, or they're not, just making sure, that, like I said before, basketball is a short stint of our lives, but making sure that um, relationships stay stay most important. So with that said, you guys have very few teams that turned over rosters as much as you guys have in the last two years. Would you like to, to just have some consistency and see where you can go with this bunch? I mean, obviously, I mean we have a, a, a great team, and you know, obviously, um, getting everybody back would be uh, ideal and be number one thing. And um, you know, hopefully, we can do that. Although, as much as Russ may have bonded with these guys, we saw Russ during the year go Russ, and that's never. Not going to happen. Russ will go Russ until Russ can't go Russ anymore. Which means if you are not getting it done. Russ puts a lot of lot of pressure on you. Steven Adams said there's a high standard for Russ. He expects a lot out of his teammates. And if you're not getting it done on a particular night, he's just going to say screw it and throw caution to the wind and go out and do everything that he can 
to make sure that the Oklahoma City Thunder win. Plus, nobody on that team works harder than Russell Westbrook. Not only will he tell you that, or at least he show you that, but Sam Presti will tell you that as well. One thing I, one thing I can tell you about Westbrook is um, he's driven, okay? Uh, he's going to keep coming. He's not going to, um, you know, kick his feet up and um, expect to um, come back next year and, and have things just all the all of a sudden be a little bit different. I think he's going to, based on every competitor, I think he's going to spend, now whether he'll tell you this or not, he's going to spend a lot of time thinking about the things he can do to get better. Um, and, you know, for our team, one of the things that I think he's focused on trying to do is become a better three-point shooter. And I see him late at night in this gym working on that. Um, you know, his ability to continue to catch and shoot and knock shots down, I think, is an, a, a big part of his continued uh, evolution as a player. With all that being said, you're talking at a guy, about a guy that is amongst the best players, if not the best players in the league. It would be easy for him to kind of rely on what he's done, but he's not going to do that. The areas for him to continue to improve, those are things that, one, you know, uh, structurally, how can we continue to find ways to put him in position to be um, – uh, enhances effectiveness you know I wouldn't say make him effective because he's highly highly effective you know we one thing about him is over the last 10 years um, we have the second most total wins of any team in the league including the playoffs other than San Antonio and Russell's been here for all of that and as Russ goes through this maturation process of of working hard and getting better and trying to be a more congenial teammate because I don't think Russ is a bad teammate. Even even if Carmelo Anthony says that Russell Westbrook goes out and steals defensive rebounds, ultimately the thing Russell Westbrook wants to do is win. And even if he's doing things that he can to be a little bit more affable and, and get along with guys a little bit better, Russ is just one of those people that if things aren't being done a certain way, he, he's like my wife. It's the best way to say it. If he's like my wife, things aren't going to be done a certain way. She's just going to she's just going to do it herself, which gets me out of a lot of housework, but also puts me right back in the doghouse. So I, I don't know. I guess I'm I'm guessing a sin, in a sense I'm kind of like the Andre Robertson at best, and maybe that's giving myself too much credit uh, in our in our marriage. She she is definitely the Russell Westbrook, but. When it comes to Russ, he's also going through different stages of his career. And as he goes through this maturation process, he's learning. Learning on the fly. And I think ever so often, or, or day by day I should say, that, that chip on his shoulder starts to deteriorate a, a little bit more. And here's Sam Presti talking about the stages in Russell Westbrook's career. You also have cycles of your team. Um, Russell Westbrook is in the, the prime of his career. Uh and the opportunity to extend what was a what has been a 10-year um you know run to further that is and potentially could come at a great cost but that cost is not a cost that's going to be going in perpetuity it could be a one-year significant spend uh in order to to retain a player like george in the best years of, of of westbrook's career and it's also not historically something that we've been doing so you kind of come to these points in time, and the, the alternative would be to, uh, you know, rebuild the team and go in a different direction. Uh, on the heels of the 16 free agency, we had that choice. We chose to keep competing. 
we chose to keep going to see if we could find a way to stay at an elite level. Uh, I understand. We're disappointed. The, the year did not go to the level that we want. But the foundation that we have and the ability to keep a player like Paul George, given the fact that we've, we're you know 11 or 12 over, the, over the, the course of 10 years, it could take that for a year in order to continue to, to, the 10-year run. And it hasn't been something we've been doing for a long time. So um, the answer is, is that's how we get expensive. And with that comes the sense of urgency that is probably being felt by Russell Westbrook. So the conversations between Russell Westbrook and Carmelo Anthony and, and Jeremy Grant and everyone who may or may not play for the Oklahoma City Thunder this year will center a lot around where Russ is, where Russ's heart is at, where Russ is at mentally, and ultimately what Russ believes needs to be done for the Thunder to take that next step. This is the Locked on Thunder podcast. I am Eric G. Coming up next, we hear from the folks at Locked on Magic about their brand new coach. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Thunder podcast. I am Eric G. We go now to the Locked On Magic podcast as they talk about their brand new hire. Hello, this is Philip Rossenreich of Locked On Magic. I'm sure all of you are getting ready for the NBA Finals and probably the NBA draft as well if you're a team like the Orlando Magic that don't have much to play for in June. But a little bit of breaking news today. The Orlando Magic have hired Steve Clifford as their new head coach. The former Charlotte Hornets head coach, of course, had, had in my opinion, a, a fairly successful five-year run with the Hornets making the playoffs twice, helping turn around a franchise that was really, really down on its luck. Uh, a team that that obviously had the worst record in league or the worst win percentage in league history during the lockout year. Uh, and then was still struggling to get back up on its feet. In his first year, he had a 20-win turnaround with the Hornets, getting them to 43 wins and a first-round playoff sweep to the to the then LeBron James-led Miami Heat. They would return to the playoffs in 2016 with a 48-34 and record um, and, and continue to struggle to kind of reach those lofty expectations again. The one thing that I really like about Steve Clifford for this Orlando Magic team specifically is that his Charlotte Hornets teams always had a set identity. Except for the last two years, which coaches tend to go stale after a while, but except for the last two years, the Hornets had a top 10 defensive rating. In fact, even in the last two years, the Hornets had a positive net rating. They missed the playoffs with a positive net rating. In fact, I would argue their 36 and 46 record, even through injuries, even through some of the problems that the Hornets had, was a vast underachievement, at least statistically it was. They were really a 500 team at the end of the day. And 500 gets into the playoffs in the Eastern Conference, so some bad luck in late games, um, so on and so forth, probably cost them uh, as much as anything. But Steve Clifford here is a coach that establishes an identity, has a high expectation level, and that helps young teams trying to take that next step, at least get into playoff contention. And that's where the Magic are right now, frankly. After six years missing the playoffs, never winning more than 35 games... They really need a coach that's just going to get them to that next level. They just need a coach that's going to get them to be competitive every single night. And that's not something the Magic have had for a very, very long time. 
And so this hire to me, yes, it kind of feels like the Magic settled a little bit. They went for a coach with some established ties to the franchise. He was an assistant coach under Stan Van Gundy from 2008 to 2012. But also a coach that establishes a culture, establishes an identity. And that's what the Magic need more than anything else. It is a retread. I probably would have liked to see them go with an up-and-coming assistant coach, give someone new a chance, but that comes with risk too. If there's one thing that I can say definitively about Steve Clifford is he's going to demand a standard of play for this team and begin to establish a culture. And that's what the Magic, again, need more than anything else. So the Orlando Magic have hired Steve Clifford. You'd, of course, check out Locked On Magic later on today. For more on the hire, I'll be down at the press conference. Uh, I was down at the press conference, I guess, since this will be coming uh, tomorrow. Uh, but definitely check out Locked On Magic for the latest on the hire of Steve Clifford, as, long, as well as some other draft tidbits. I'll be actually previewing the NBA Finals for my listeners on Thursday's episode as well. But for now, this has been Philip Rossenreich of Locked On Magic and Orlando Magic Daily. Be sure to subscribe to all the Locked On podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, tune in all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. And I'll see you next time. Tomorrow we'll be back discussing Game 1 of the NBA Finals as well as all things going on Oklahoma City Thunder. And I encourage you, as always, every day, ELE, everybody love everybody, and peace, love, and thunder up. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.